absolutely ridiculous. Hello everyone, welcome to Around the Course Squash Podcast. It's a big day in the United States of America. We did ask Joe Biden and Donald Trump to come on the show, but unfortunately they were a little bit busy, which is fair enough. My name is Arthur Gaskin and with me as ever is Christopher Sackby and Stuart Crawford. How are you doing, fellas? <laughs> <laughs> I'm depressed. Back in oh. my, my summer is officially over. Uh, November. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I March feel and November is not a bad summer. This much sympathy for you, pal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, my mood will improve or get 10 times worse depending on the outcome of the US election today, but I'm not going to. Actually, we're going to make predictions on that since we're, we're into the squash <laughs> predictions. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's 50-50. It's going to be 3-2. <laughs> I'm going to say 3-2 to Biden. 11-9 wow. in the fifth. Tiebreaker, 12-10. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't care how tight it is as long as one particular candidate wins. <laughs> <laughs> we are apolitical on this show. Trump, worst blocker in the history of the game. Yeah. <laughs> He's up there with can't, McGeed. <laughs> can't, can't see him giving many lines. <clears throat> no. He'd be the El Hindi of squash. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, man. Fair play. <laughs> So predictions, we had a bit of bit of fantasy squash amongst ourselves. We actually did all right, didn't we? In round one of Qatar. Yeah, round one went okay. Round two is not going quite as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's been been tough been tough to pick some uh, some good good upsets. You got Yusuf Ibrahim coming through Nikki Mueller, who I think we all had, and then. Uh, Borja coming through Mossad. I didn't predict that proper. Jasuki beating Rosner had that one wrong. I don't think I had Conjure beating Gosel. A lot of, a lot of like pretty good little upsets. Um, I mean, there's more that I got wrong just right there. But yeah, a lot, a lot of those little sections of the draw that we've spoken about previously, where there isn't a, certainly not a top eight seed, but sometimes not even a nine sixteen seed. Um, You've got to give credit to the players that have taken advantage of that. Like you said, Yusuf Ibrahim, second tournament in a row, he's made round three of uh, platinum event after the Egyptian Open. Um, great to see Borja, someone that is even older than you, certainly you two. I think he's a bit younger <laughs> than me, but um, seeing him still performing at that level and great win against, uh, well, first, first of all, he beat Aubert, who we've been impressed with and yeah. Thought maybe a close match, and he beat him in 23 minutes, and then he beat Omar Mossad in round two. I watched that game of Mossad, and it's just amazing that someone like you say, like he, he's not a spring chicken, like he's not young, so he's not raw, and he's coming out with all this fire and passion. He he still has it, man, fire in the belly, and there's no crowd. So again, like it's not like he can get that energy from fuel from the crowd. He's like drawing it from his inner self. I, I was loving it, like a real war of attrition, some old school squash and mindset in there. I loved it. Did you see um, the PSA posted on Instagram and maybe Twitter? It was a, a video from behind the court split down the right wall. And so it was video of Diego kind of just hitting nice, smooth solo drives. And then on the court next to it, I think they get about a half hour each, right, for their, for their kind of pre-tournament solos and stuff. And 
the court next to it, Borja was just giving her, ghosting into the front corners, just like as fast <laughs> as he could go. And, it, and and the PSA put out a poll, you know, what's what do, what do you what's your preference the day before a match or something, controlled solo or um, tough ghosting? And uh, yeah, I mean, Borja was he was flying. What a guy! What a hero! Yeah. And the other old old boy in the draw. Old, I mean, relatively speaking, Gaultier. Yeah, I caught a little bit of his first match against Iker Pajares. Um, and like you said, Arthur, he played him in his first tournament back where he, where he lost at the World Team Championships. So he's obviously made progress, which we kind of knew already that he was making progress. Um, making quarterfinals of the Egyptian Open was a good sign for him. But I think I, I never saw his match with Marwan in round two, but... Um, I know that you did, and I think it's just a, it's another step up in class that he needs to try and bridge if he's going to get back to where he was. Yeah, it's... I mean, you can't rule him out. You can't say he won't, because if anyone can, he can. But it's, it's, going, to, it's going to take a lot. It's going to take something really special at his age, and given just the amount of time that he's spent away from the game to get back to that level. Marwan just looked so... I mean, we've been saying it for the last couple of tournaments how at ease and cool and collected he looked for the most part uh, on court. His ball strike and his movement. I think to see Gaultier get that to that level, I think it's going to take something special. But I, you would, you can't rule it out. Yeah, and it's also a tough draw, right? Drawing Marwan, who's in kind of probably top four form right now, whereas we're talking about these other spots in the draw. I mean, you think if Gauthier gets any of those other spots without a top nine through 16 seed in it, he's going to get through um, just based on, you know, his, uh, his bag of cats cleverness, as Arthur likes to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of the interesting things I read on that match, like I said, I didn't see it, but reading the report on the PSA website is that saying that Marwan was a lot more controlled and just – got on with the game and it was actually Gauthier I think was getting frustrated I think I read he got a conduct stroke but yeah. it seems like Marwan's learned his lesson from the Egyptian Open where he had his sort of slight meltdown against Tarek yeah. um, found that balance that allows him to play really good quality squash without sort of pushing the edge maybe the fact that John Massarella wasn't refereeing might have helped but, <laughs> um but no, I mean, if he's if he's learned anything from the Egyptian Open and he's able to continue playing at the level he was while still staying strong mentally, then he's going to be a big danger in this event. Yeah, yeah, I found that very interesting. The with the Muhammad interview, him just talking about that—that that he basically, you know, almost immediately knew that what he did in that in that uh, match not only hurt his squash, but just wasn't kind of what he wants to do. So. Um, it sounded like he was going to turn it around quickly. And then last event, uh, you know, the match below is uh, Raf Kondra versus Saurav Gosal. Last event was Nathan Lake that took out Raphael Kondra in the yeah. first round. Is that right? Yeah. So that's a good little good little run for him there, getting to the 16 after after a first round exit. Um, haven't is he done, has he had a big result since the British? I feel like he's someone who's come on the end of a, a lot of really close five-game matches. That's just what I sort of think, feel, sorry, rather than anything else. 
could be wrong. You also have to acknowledge in that match that Sora have actually picked up a bit of an injury yeah. um, during it. I think it was some possibly his groin or sort of hip flexor somewhere around there. But um, you can sort of see that he it was a weird one because he he still kept going, but he was just he was quite impatient, which isn't really his style, and he wasn't quite moving as fluidly as he does when he's at his best. Yeah. Yeah, I did read that in the report. I didn't see any of the match. Yeah. Um, the other match which started off really well was Masuti against Paul Cole. And I mean, Paul was super impressive. He looks good. He looks like he's down for a big result. But just one, just a mention on Masuti. He hits the ball so clean and so pure, especially on the forehand side. And I know it might have let him down a little bit uh, last night against Paul, but I mean, part of that could have been the pressure that Paul put him under and, you know, making him feel that he had to, you know, squeeze the ball closer and closer to the tin. And, and in doing that, he made a few mistakes. But once he strikes the right balance and gets a few more matches at that level under his belt, I think he's going to be someone to really watch out for. Well, he's, he took out uh, Ramit Tandon very convincingly in the first round, which... Um, I think su- certainly surprised me. Not necessarily that he won, just but how comfortable it was. Yeah. Uh, I know Ramit, someone that you probably know a lot better than me, Chris, through your Columbia connections. But I certainly wouldn't have predicted that to be a three love in under half an hour. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm not. I know Ramit well, and you know, think he's amazing to watch, and uh, and he's struggled with some injuries. I know over the last few years, but like his. He he hits a wonderful ball, and uh, and and last year when I saw him in New York a couple of times, he was um he was you know looked the fittest and strongest he'd ever been. So uh, I just don't know, you know, I know India hasn't been in the greatest shape with coronavirus. I'm not sure what he's like, how long he's been able to play, um, what his access is. I don't know if he had to go somewhere else or not, but uh, that was actually yeah. one of my thoughts as well. Just we've got five players in our team at Penn that are back in well four are still in India one's managed to make it over to the US but but they're not really on court again yet um, and also just with Saurav's injury um, Saurav's not someone that's tended to struggle with injuries or usually play pretty good um, physically yeah. to see him struggle might be a, an indication that he maybe hasn't had the training or court time that he usually would have and um seeing Ramit's performance probably confirms that. Yeah, that's fair. Oof, COVID. Um, and then today's matches, I, I would say I got up early, but it wasn't that early. And I also forgot that the time zone was slightly different, so I missed the first match this morning. But I did see the Tom richards Lucas Sir match, which was pretty evenly contested. First three games were all 11-9s. Um, and then Lucas started to edge ahead in the fourth game and close it out for a 3-1 win. So, again, another little section of the draw where you had four players all looking at it, probably thinking this is a great opportunity. There's no top 16 player in this section. And full credit to Lucas Serm. Again, he's always seemed like someone that's there or thereabouts, but not necessarily had as many big wins as I'm sure he would like. But, yeah, always a bit of a danger. Yeah, I think they said after the match, it was his first uh, time to make the last 16 at an event this size since uh, early 2019, I believe. Yeah. 
and he seems like a great guy. He just seems like a good, solid, hardworking guy who gets on with it. Um, yeah, so sort of guy that you're pleased for when he does have a big result like that. Yeah, big time. Yeah, I used to play a little bit of Lucas back in the day, training wise when he was studying. He he was you always knew he was going to go go far. He's quality guy, quality player, very level headed kind of individual. Well done. Actually, all the guys in that little section would have been quite deserving. Um, you had Nathan Lake in there, who um, I guess from his perspective would probably be disappointed that he couldn't back up his strong performance in Egypt. He lost the love to Tom Richards. So again, a guy that's been around a while and just seems like he gets on with it, um, trains hard, plays good uh, free-flowing squash, fun to watch. And then the other one in that section was Todd Harry. So you would have been pleased for any one of those four guys to come through. Yeah. Indeed. And then the next match I caught after that this morning, the one that I was really excited for, I thought it could have been one of the highlights of the round, um, was Joe Macon against Mohamed Abu Elgar. And Joe just destroyed him. I mean, too solid. It's what you, kind of what you'd expect from Joe, like very few errors, really good quality hitting to the back good variety and pace uh, and just sort of, I know we've seen this occasionally in the past from Abogar, but just pins and sort of losing the plot a little bit. Um, yeah, I don't know. I know he didn't play the last event in the Egyptian Open because he got withdrawn due to coronavirus. So I don't know if that was a factor. Um, but yeah, I'm sure he'd be disappointed because Again, not a match that you would have predicted would be over in 33 minutes. No, and, especially, and certainly a match that had the potential to be a cracker. You know, two you know, contrasting styles, contrasting personalities. You know, yeah, I think it's a bit of a disappointment. Just for the purest in us, just to want to watch a really good, hard, competitive, contrasting game squish. Yeah. Well, in our preview, we certainly we picked that match along with the Dusuki and Rosner match as the sort of two standout picks for that second round. Um, yeah. And again, probably would say neither of them lived up to to the hype or the billing. No, no, yeah. I, didn't. I thought I thought Dusuki looked pretty pretty strong. Um, he was kind of he had a good bounce in his step, and I've always thought um, from from when you know, pre-injury that he was super dangerous when he was moving to the, he moves to the front so fast and so powerfully. And then like is able to control that and, and kind of turn on the brakes and send the ball in different directions or send it in short when he looks like he's about to hammer it. And uh, he looked like he had that pop in his step off the tee again. But um, yeah, no, Ros, you, Stuart, you were saying Rosner posted something or Arthur that he was, Pretty disappointed, um, which we can all imagine. Yeah, I caught this on Twitter, but he just he posted a photo of himself with his hands out to the side as if to say, what, what's going on here? And he said, uh, this picture sums up my squash in the last couple of tournaments. Clueless, defensive and self-conscious. Really need to get back on track again. And then he said a few other things, but basically saying that he didn't deserve to win, wasn't playing well enough to beat someone of Dasuki's level. Um, and yeah, generally not happy with his performance, or not just in this event, but also back in Egypt, I believe. Um, but an open tweet. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this uh, Abdullah Diego match, like I, I called before the event. But 
Arthur, you were correct that Abdullah wasn't going to get through uh, Pat Rooney easily. Um, it's pretty pretty close match there. It's funny though, like a couple of games he won, you know, games he lost 10, 12, 8, 11. He won three, eight, and three in the games he won. He's just like so. He's just fun to watch because he's just going for it no matter what. And when they're going in, it's it. uh, it's tough to beat. And he gets he gets on a roll, he gets on a run, and he gets you know more and more confident, and that sort of brings out more and more attacking and aggressive squash. And yeah, he he is great to watch. Nightmare to nightmare to play. Great to watch. And I think the final player that's kind of come through a little open section of the draw is former world junior champion Inyao, um, who's had a really good win against Declan James this morning. Uh, probably would have fancied his chances and known that he had a shot there, but I would have said Declan was slight favourite, but he won the first game in a tie break and then closed it out in three. So again, that was his first event as well. He hadn't played any of the previous events in either Manchester or Egypt. So to come back, first event back and uh, beat another former world junior champion, Kareem El-Hamami in the first round uh, and then beat Declan James to make the last 16. It's great performance from him. Mm. Another Bristol player. Yeah. Although I don't believe he's in Bristol at the moment. No, he's in Qatar. At the moment, <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. Must have an inside source there. I don't know how you figured that one out. He actually, he actually was in. Um, he was in Bristol for most of the lockdown, or for most of the time between March and now, or certainly in the in the recent few weeks. Okay, that's all I got. <laughs> yeah. Well. I don't think I'm changing any of my semi-final picks yet. So, but it'll be a lot of a lot of guys we didn't expect to get into this uh, into this third round. So, see if anyone can keep their uh, keep their dance rolling. <laughs> I think I think the only semi-final prediction I made that I'm starting to question is whether Joe Macon can beat Tarek Moman again. Um, just based on what we saw. I mean, I did think part of today's result was um, Abu Elgar not performing at his best, but it will be, we've spoken in a previous episode about Joe's great record against Tarek and he obviously has the game to cause him problems and there's something about his style that makes it difficult for Tarek. So I know in your fantasy squash prediction, Arthur, you had predicted Joe to come through that. So, he did, yeah. I'm going to stick with Tarek, but I can see that as a potential upset. Yeah, it'll be a great match. Another good contrast to Stairs. I also like Joe's interview after his match today where he was um, pretty upfront about, like, I'm here to win tournaments. I've had some good runs in the past. I've made semis of these sort of events, but I'm no longer satisfied with that. And we, we, we noticed straight away when Marwan was saying things like that back at the Manchester Open when he when he beat Ali Farag and he was kind of like, well, yeah, that's, this is what I expect. And to see Joel saying the same sort of things suggests that he's, he's maybe got a new belief and confidence that he belongs at that level and he can trouble these guys, not just in a one-off, but throughout the whole event. Aye. Well, I like it, fellas. I like what we got going here. We got, I mean, this, uh, 
Abdullah Diego in about probably, what do you think, Ali? What do you think Ali follows will be? Or one love up Farag as we record live? Um, I'm going to say Farag in three. Okay. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Diego in five. Ooh, I like it. Ooh. All right, well, let's see how that goes. Nice one, fellas. Happy Tuesday. Happy election day. Happy election day. What we really should predict, keep it a little more apolitical, is when the hell we're going to find out who the next president is. Team Biden all the way. (laughs) Let's go. All right. There you go. If you like what you hear, don't be afraid to share. Check us out on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. As always, thank you, fellas. Cheers. (laughs) 